Mora conducts physician-led support groups, helping people live healthier, happier lives, free from chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. And on our podcast, Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus, we bring to you nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests to empower and inspire you with their knowledge and stories of plant-based lifestyle so that you can be your healthiest self. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm so welcome to welcome my good friend, Dr. Micah Yu. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Dr. Marbus, for having me. Oh my goodness, you did not call me Dr. Marvis. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my goodness, my yeah, absolutely. So um I will have to apologize. If you hear any loud noises, I'm gonna to try to mute, but like I mentioned to Micah earlier, there's a little demolition thing going on outside these walls. I just throwing that out there for you. So I do apologize if that occurs, but hopefully not. So well, let's get into to learning more about Dr. Yu. And some of you may already know him. He's a plant-based rheumatologist here also in California. So I'm excited to connect in person as well. And, you know, many times we have the audience ask, you know, why did you decide to become a doctor and specifically a rheumatologist? I think that'll be fascinating. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't know my story, um, I'll rehash it here. So it all started, you know, back when I was 16, 17, um, I was on a football team. I was overweight. I was a lineman and I really wanted to lose weight. So the, um, it wasn't called the keto diet back then. It was called the Atkins diet. And that was very popular. Uh, I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to get bigger, but also, um, get lose weight at the same time. So I went on the Atkins diet, which for those of you that don't know, is a very high protein diet. I was probably about 150, 160 pounds back then. And I ate about 180 to 200 grams of protein a day. Um, so I was eating steaks. I was eating um, fish, um, drinking like two glasses of milk just to get the protein and protein powders, protein, um, what else? The protein bars, whatever is a protein, you, you name it, I was eating it. And I did lose weight. I lost about like 20, 30 pounds. Um, but at the same time, end up getting gout, uh, and gout is an excruciating um, arthritis that is not autoimmune, but it is a rheumatic disease. And typically, the way it comes about is you get an attack on the big toe or some other joint overnight, and even putting a blanket on it will be very, very painful. So I got that in high school, very debilitating. Um, and then in college, um, I still had attacks of it. I didn't, I mean, I, t I would take ibuprofen and those medications, endomethacin, um, when it would come out, I was drinking alcohol and living the college type of life. And then after that, my arthritis actually started to transform and I started getting pains in places that I did not expect, like my TMJs, um, multiple joints in the fingers, wrists. Um, so it was starting to becoming from one joint at a time to several joints at a time. Um, and there was a, so after college, I, well, I was a business major, so I wanted to go to med school or some a type of healthcare profession. So I did my post back in, um, science classes. So during those two years that I was doing that, there was a period of time where I couldn't even go to class for two weeks because I was bed bound from so much pain. I had fevers. Um, I didn't go to the ER or anything. Um, and then I started taking gout medications at the time after that, um, but that subsided. Um, I finally made my way to med school. And during med school, um, these attacks would continue and persist. 
and they will get worse and worse. Um, and my TMJs again will get attacked. I want to be able to eat for like a couple of weeks. I will just eat, be able to eat yogurt um, and drink water. And I wake up swollen. My TMJs would they'll be feel like a balls inside. Um, and sometimes I wake up in the night with pain. Um, I noticed there was a pattern with food. I just could not pinpoint it. And my diet was so poor during medical school. I was eating like a lean pockets, whatever, like frozen foods, <laughs> a typical college um, med school diet, um, pizza, whatever, you name it. And then um, I went to different rheumatologists, one academic rheumatologist, one community rheumatologist, and they couldn't diagnose me. I had all the antibodies being negative. They said, yeah, gout, definitely. Because my uric acid was like 13 when I was diagnosed with gout. It came down to like three or four um, with medications. So it probably wasn't gout attacks, but there's like, they were saying, we can't, we don't know what else is going on. You have your ESR and CRP, which are inflammatory markers were, are high, but everything else is negative. So then I went to residency at Loma Linda went to um, fellowship there too in rheumatology. So during residency, um, I got acquainted with the rheumatologist there who are my attendings and they did an ultrasound on me and they found that I had something called emphysitis, which is inflammation of the emphyses. And the emphyses are places where it's a middle connection between your bone and your tendon. And this you can get this from playing a lot of golf, playing a lot of tennis called tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, um, but it can come from an autoimmune disease too. So I eventually got diagnosed with spondyloarthritis um, along with gout. And they actually drew, I actually have three diagnoses because they, they have fluid in my ankle and they drew fluid out and they found um, something called CPPD crystals. Um, so I have three diagnoses, but usually I just tell people I spawn arthritis and gout to make it simple. Um, so how did I come on a plant-based diet? How did I become who I am today? So my wife, um, Laura, you know my wife, Melissa. So um, she got into lifestyle medicine at Loma Linda. She's also a doctor as well. She introduced me to plant-based nutrition, but <laughs> and during Thanksgiving, she um, created these um, plant-based meals. I did not enjoy them at all. This is back in 2018, no, 2017, fall of 2017. I thought it was really like not appetizing. I was like, where's the meat? Um, so um, I eventually, I watched Forks Over Knives, read these plant-based books, and I gave a shot in um, May, 2018. It went on plant-based diet for three months and my pain just went away in three months. Um, my ES, my CRP, my, my CRP went completely negative in three months. My ESR was still positive, but went down. And um, recently in these past two years, I retested myself and both ESR and CRP are completely negative. Um, so everything's pretty calm. I mean, I do get attacks every now and then. I don't take any medications for um, my spondyloarthritis at all. I was offered methotrexate, Plaquenil, and these immunomodulators. I refused it. And luckily... <laughs> Luckily, I found a diet that worked for me um, because I would be on these medications today. So when I do get attacks, it's usually because I work overnight all night or I ate something really processed. Um, I ate out something too salty, too oily. Um, but the attacks, you know, they were just happen for maybe a couple hours or just for a day and it'll go away. Um, I have my own strategy dealing with that, taking supplements, fasting, and then it goes away. So I really don't take meds and the only medication I do take every now and then is gout meds. Um, 
but I I'm not taking it away. I'm supposed to, but I'm pretty well controlled overall. So I'm happy with the way things have turned out for me, uh, which is why I became a rheumatologist and which is why I um, formed my own clinic um, in here in Newport Beach, California with my wife, Melissa, um, which I do integrative rheumatology because I do things beyond plant-based nutrition, um, which we can talk about later on too. Yeah, absolutely. So isn't it um, amazing that you suffered all those years and it was as simple as switching your diet and doing some other things as well? Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah I mean... I, I call, I tell my patients, I'm consider I consider myself lucky because mm. some patients, they switch up the diet and it still doesn't work or it doesn't work as well. I mean, so I tell everyone I am an individual, every individual is different. Every patient's different, but, um, it's possible you can turn on like me, but, um, mm. I don't, we don't know until we try. Right. Absolutely. I mean, at least puts things in your favor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. Wow. So, um, Love to hear, maybe you could start with what is considered autoimmune versus rheumatic diseases. So we can kind of explain the difference there. That'll be helpful. Yeah. yeah. So um, sometimes people think that autoimmune disease means rheumatology and that's not true. Um, so rheumatologists, we deal with diseases of the connective tissues, uh, autoimmune diseases of the connective tissue, but we also deal with a lot of different arthritis and um auto-inflammatory diseases as well, immune system diseases. Um, so autoimmune disease can span from different um, specialties. So neurologists treat multiple sclerosis. Um, GI doctors treat inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, also colitis. Um, rheumatologists, we treat a lot of them like um, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, vasculitis, um, which is has been kind of popular these days because of Ashton Kutcher. Um, so uh, we treat those kinds of diseases. And then you have your endocrinologists who treat autoimmune thyroid disease and autoimmune hormonal diseases. Rheumatic diseases um, can also include gout, uh, which I have, which is not autoimmune. It's a disease with a metabolism, uh, metabolic disorder of uric acid. Um, it also, rheumatic diseases also include um, pseudogout. It includes, um, you can call osteoarthritis a type of rheumatic disease. So it's uh, it's not an autoimmune arthritis, it's a wear and tear arthritis. We also deal with auto-inflammatory diseases, which are not autoimmune, but sometimes these diseases are, um, how would you say this, genetic disorders that cause a dysregulation of the immune system. So those are type quite rare. Um, and we also deal with immunodeficiencies and sometimes Ehlers-Danlos syndrome as well. So weird things out there. So it doesn't have to be autoimmune disease. So that's sort of the difference. I know it can get quite confusing for the public, but that's how I can explain it. I forget that I'm muted. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's fantastic. So there's a, a wide variety of diseases so you must have a very interesting population because you know what are the odds if you get one autoimmune disease that you will get another out of curiosity like yeah I, exact. I, I don't know the exact odds but definitely once you get one um you have it comes in cl clusters and you've seen a lot of patients Lori. you've noticed probably noticed that one if a patient has rheumatoid arthritis sometimes they'll have a thyroid disease and then they'll have like uh, lupus along with that. So it comes in clusters. So just because you have one doesn't mean you're going to get 
five or three, but it's not uncommon to see patients with several autoimmune diseases. Yeah, like type one diabetics and thyroid yeah. disease, such a common thing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now, you know, you just spoke of integrative rheumatology and kind of going outside of just even, you know, the a simple whole food plant-based diet. So can you give us what that means is in the foundation and what do you do with patients? So when patients come in, what are you looking for? What are you suggesting? Like, how does that work at begin? And how do you start getting people on the path to, to wellness and healing? Right. So um, just to give a little bit of my background before I talk about my clinic. Um, so I am uh, board certified in lifestyle medicine. Um, and also I am finishing up my second fellowship at the University of Arizona's Integrated Medicine Fellowship. So it's a two-year program um, talking about um, different diets, supplements, herbs, mind-body medicine, um, aromatherapy, Ayurveda, all these different things. So I'm finishing that up this summer. And then I'm also um, finishing up functional medicine as well. So I'm trying to put all these different fields together to help my patients. Um, so I know there's a lot of controversy with functional medicine, but I see it as another tool in the toolbox um, for my patients. So um, in my clinic, when a patient comes in, I do the standard um, history and physical on the patients, just like any other doctor would. Um, but I also talk about lifestyle medicine. So I talk about nutrition, exercise, sleep. Um, what else is there? Um, emotional well-being. And I also incorporate environmental medicine into my visits as well, which is a huge component of functional and um, integrated medicine. And I talk a lot about trauma in my clinic as well, because that can be a source of pain and disease for patients. So I talk about all these different things. And um, in my treatment plans, um, I will talk about medications, traditional rheumatology medications, immunosuppressive medications, steroids. I use those in my practice, but what sets me apart from other doctors and rheumatologists is that I'm flexible. Not only do I have regular medications in my toolbox, but I can also talk about diet, different diets that can help with people, not just whole food plant-based, but if a patient, you know, they're not used to plant-based diets, maybe a Mediterranean diet would be a great step already. That's huge. Um, there's a lot of data behind Mediterranean diets um, and maybe finding out what food sensitivities our patients deal with, because we can talk about this, nightshades and all these things we can talk about later on. Um, but I talk about those things in my clinic and then environmental toxins as well. Um, and I talk about supplements, what supplements um, are evidence-based that we can use to help patients get through their disease. Uh, I have some patients, you know, who have been able to avoid medications completely. Some patients use a combination of um, integrated medicine with um, medications and they're doing great. So uh, the hardest patients are the ones that don't want any traditional medications and they want all alternative and they've done all the dietary changes already. So that's what I'm constantly educating myself on. What else is out there? What's cutting edge? So I think that's where a lot of the um, deeper ends of integrated medicine and functional medicine kick in, where I have tools in my toolbox to help patients because I don't want to leave patients hanging because their integrated rheumatologist is actually quite rare in the nation. As you know, Laurie, it's probably, was probably hard for you to find someone besides me out there. Yeah, no, uh, we've done lots of uh, conversations, emails, and other 
<laughs> asking about patients because you know that integrative and the functional toolbox is really you know having those tools in your toolbox is very key and you know I had started down the path of the functional medicine 10 years ago when I first started you know employing a plant-based diet with patients and looking at lifestyle medicine I didn't know what it was at that time called lifestyle medicine but uh yeah but like you said there's some controversy and sometimes some of the the things I didn't appreciate was you know, I'm not going to speak to that now, but what I did really like about it was the deeper history, like you had mentioned, like the environment and the potential toxin, you know, exposure. And, you know, it's just funny moving into an older home. So this is a 1977 when they stopped using lead paint. Uh, well, they were supposed to stop using lead paint. Um, when we had this leak, which is why there's little construction going around, it was really interesting because we had been in the house about a week and the, I didn't like the taste of the water. So I bought a water filter and you know, we were going to do some things to see what we could investigate about what's going on. But when we had the leak, we decided because the home was so old and some other things, we decided to repipe, put in a, a water filter and a conditioner and the entire taste of the water changed. We have cleaned, we had some, what they call it a hydrojetting where they cleaned out the pipes all the way through the sewer line. And I can't even tell you the difference of the water. And, um, that just threw me for a loop. I mean, I should have expected it, but it was a dramatic shift. And um, I was thinking, what were the people who lived here before in the last however many years the water started corroding and doing stuff, you know, the pipes and stuff. I, I'm just like, I was like, wow. <laughs> okay, so I'm so thankful we went through this process, even though it's been a little painful, but it's all good. So what type of toxins in the environment do you look for? Like, are there specific toxins that relate to different diseases or like, where does that even begin? Is it hobbies where they live? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. So there's so many environmental toxins out there. Um, so water is this like tap water is just one source of environmental toxins, VOCs. That's when VOCs are in water and other type of environmental toxins um, and heavy metals in there as well. Um, there are environmental, like you talk about lead, lead is a type of environmental toxin, it's a heavy metal, um, and you don't want too much of that uh, in your body, it can cause a lot of damage. Um, a lot of these um, environmental toxins are called endocrine disruptors, uh, so they can affect the thyroid, they can um, cause different hormonal dysregulation, cause, that's why you see patients earlier and earlier in age with testosterone deficiencies, um, menopausal issues as well at earlier age, um, more cancers are rising every year because of these environmental toxins. So you have um, in cosmetics, parabens, you have something called PFAS, have BPA, BPS. So BPA is in plastics and you can get it on your touching, just touching a piece of paper with like a receipt from the grocery store has BPA on it already and it transfers to the skin. So plastics, you know, I don't recommend plastics to use. When you store food, use glass, especially heat up food in glass instead of plastic. So heating up those frozen food in the plastic bags is a big no-no. So BPA, even though it's BPA free on there, it can have other environmental toxins such as BPS. So it's this BPA is just like a marketing tool um, for these companies. So those are sources of hormonal um, dysregulation. They're also known as immune dysregulators. I'm calling them immune dysregulators. I don't think it's been called formally termed that yet, but there's so many papers coming out now that show that these hormonal environmental toxins 
are also disrupting the immune system. So there was a recent paper out of the Frontiers, I think Immunology, uh, two months ago, three months ago in 2022, that shows that VOCs uh, can be a source of inflammation in these autoimmune diseases. Um, so VOCs are a type of chemical out there. They're, like I said, they're in their water, they're different sources um, in their environment, and they can over time be very, very damaging. And these toxins, when you're exposed to them, they're just not overnight damaged. They take a while for people to see clinical manifestations of their disease. And other things that are viral toxins are pesticides. So glyphosate is one that's pretty controversial. I believe that it does cause issues for people. If you look on different articles on the internet, maybe like CNN and that these um, news outlets, you see that patients have been compensated because of um, cancers that were related to glyphosate and Roundup and these um, types of pesticides. And there are studies out there on lupus and rheumatoid arthritis showing that when you have a direct exposure to pesticides, it actually increases the risk of lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And if you even if you have indirect exposure, it increases the risk. So if you have a direct exposure, it like has a much higher chance of increasing these autoimmune diseases. And I'm sure there's papers on it with multiple sclerosis and different autoimmune diseases and thyroid diseases. And it's really unfortunate that we're not talking about any of this stuff in medicine because we're not taught it. Where do I learn about this stuff? I learned it through functional medicine. I learned it through integrated medicine. And um, styrene from styrofoam is another environmental toxin. It's been shown that there's a higher risk of scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disease in rheumatology with styrofoam and styrene. So there's, it's a whole world out there. I'm still learning every day, um, but it gets very complicated. It's almost, uh, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm just going to pack up and move up to the mountains and live as a hermit yeah. in the wild. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, we're surrounded by these things every day. Like you just, it's hard to avoid these things. I mean, at least I guess in the places that you're most of the time hanging out, which it's good to look at what those are. Because it was interesting. I've had quite the, like I said, kind of, it's kind of a good case study as far as like concerns that people have. For example, when they, because of the home with the age, they literally had to block it off because the leak went from the bathroom into the garage below it and it saturated the ceiling. So they opened it up and they had to, they closed it off um, and had to check for asbestos, right? And so that was a little stressful and lead. They checked for lead and luckily it was like mold too with all that water. Actually the mold they did recently so then they put in all these fans and dried it out and then they checked for mold they found in the garage haven't found any up here but you know but then we found termite damage there was a sewer leak it goes on but enough of that drama but it was really interesting and now i'm learning how they actually do mold remediation um yeah so it's it's a, quite the process that they do and what they're testing for and and what they're exposing themselves to, honestly, um, I think about these workers because you don't see them masked as they should be. At oh least gosh. I would think so, right? And I'm like, okay, you guys, you probably should be wearing like some type of at least yeah. respirator. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a really um, interesting. And then here in Southern California, you guys have very persistent little ants. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I think about the pest control that's occurring and the I live in a neighborhood where there's an HOA and they're doing pest control. Like, well, what are they spraying? Like, where is that? So there's just so much stuff going on again that you just don't think about until something happens. But so where are there certain 
labs or tests that you do for when you're looking at this environmental um, toxicity? Like, is it just, is it a symptom specific? Is there someone that you do for everyone regardless of, of exposure risk? Right. Yeah. Great question. So every patient's different, but with these autoimmune conditions, I really like to dig into um, the big picture of environmental toxins. So I do test for nutritional deficiencies because sometimes if you're deficient in nutrients, it can cause more inflammation and be a source of some non-specific symptoms like hair loss, fatigue, where is that coming from? Um, it might not even be related to the autoimmune condition. So that can be, so I do nutritional deficiency testing. I test for genomics sometimes in my office. Um, I also test for mold toxicity because that can sometimes be a trigger for these diseases, um, environmental toxins testing. I also do, um, what else do I do? Heavy metal testing as well. Um, so those are just some of the tests I do. I mean, there are other tests that integrative doctors do. They do leaky gut testing, stool testing. I don't do that that much in my office. When a patient has autoimmune disease, I know they have a leaky gut, gut dysbiosis already. So sometimes I tell my patients, you can hold back off on that. Um, I know food sensitivity testing is very popular. I don't do too much of that either, uh, unless patients really request it. Because as you know, Lori, it can be inaccurate sometimes these food sensitivity testing. Um, but I've heard success stories of patients, you know, that have used food sensitivity testing from other doctors that, you know, they've kind of narrowed which foods were triggering their issues. So I think it really depends on a case-by-case -case basis. But environmental toxins, the reason why I'm so big on it, because I believe that's one of the root causes of disease. Um, and a lot of people, you know, you fix the nutrition, you fix, they have a good home life. There's no trauma in the past. So what else is driving it? It could be infections. Infections are can be a big cause of autoimmune diseases too. So I check that in my office. Um, so I look for root causes. That, that's what the integrated and functional medicine side of me kicks in. Mm, that's really interesting. So you're going to have to pick your brain some more in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is, uh, you know, so if we can, let's get back to you know, a lot of folks here eat a whole food plant-based diet. That's what more is all about. Well, it's lifestyle medicine, just getting people moving in the right direction. We take them, they're just like, what is this? What do you want us to eat? A plant-based diet? So, you know, it makes sense with diabetes and hypertension. Those are pretty straightforward cases, <clears throat> excuse me. But when it comes to the rheumatic and autoimmune diseases, where does the diet specifically, do you feel make a difference? Is there a certain percentage of patients that you see to respond? Are there certain diseases that respond better than others? So what would that look like? And is there anything specific in those in the whole food plant-based diet that you found that's very helpful in these type of situations? Yeah. So I get patients outside of autoimmune rheumatic diseases. I get patients um, in with other autoimmune diseases that come in and I treat them all the same. Okay. So my thing is how do I attack this inflammation? Because inflammation chronic inflammation is the root cause of all these autoimmune diseases. So what why is a whole food plant-based diet so powerful? It's because of the fiber and phytonutrients. A two-thirds of the immune system is located at the gut, and all the food that you're eating talks to your immune system because it, it interacts at the gut with the immune system. And there's an overwhelming number of studies that have shown that fiber and phytonutrients are very anti-inflammatory. When you eat phytonutrients and fiber, it can help generate something called short-chain fatty acids. And short-chain fatty acids, there's three types of them, and they do 
go out through the system. I mean, they're generated at the gut, but they do go to the brain. They go to the um, your fat cells, your bone marrow, your joints, your lungs, wherever. And it has a positive effect on these systems and our immune system is anti-inflammatory. So that's why I emphasize eating a lot of fruits and vegetables so much in my clinic and really cutting down on the meat and the processed food as much as possible. So there are patients, you know, that do eat a whole food plant-based diet in my clinic who have gone to remission and have been able to stay off medications. Not every patient is like this, but there are patients who do need medications, but every patient is different. That's why I tell patients, you know, I can potentially get you better, but it's not guaranteed because there are patients who eat a whole food plant-based diet, have done paleo, have done all these different diets out there, and they're still like very, very um, inflamed for some reason or another. But a good majority of patients, I would say, if you're just eating fruits and vegetables to start off with, just change your diet, getting off the processed food, you do see improvement already. And I'm a huge fan of my morning smoothie. Yes, <laughs> me too. Best part of my day. Oh my heavens, right? So tell us what you eat in a day, because if I don't ask, I'm going to get comments. So please, what does Dr. Yeah. eat in a day? Yeah, so um, sometimes I do fast in the morning because I don't want to eat breakfast. But uh, if I do eat breakfast, I will eat oatmeal or a fruit or a smoothie. Um, and then for lunch, I would eat sometimes a sandwich. Um, some, I like Ezekiel bread. That's my favorite type of bread. Or I'll drink a smoothie or uh, I'll do a Buddha bowl. Or sometimes um, in my clinic, the... Uh, Farm reps would bring food for me as well. Um, so I really like um, vegetarian, vegan, um, Indian food. That's one of my favorite foods out there. Uh, and what else do I eat? I, I eat a lot of Asian food since I'm Chinese. So I love Asian vegetables. So I love Asian uh, Chinese broccoli. Um, I don't know how to say some of these foods in English, but I like mustard greens, um, bok choy, and I love shiitake mushrooms, all enoki mushrooms, all type of mushrooms. Uh, I, my wife makes fun of me because I, ever since we turned vegetarian vegan, I've been eating only like certain, I could cook only certain number of foods. So <laughs> one thing I always make is um, tofu, what was it? Tofu, bok choy, green onion, and mushroom soup with miso paste. <laughs> <laughs> and she, so I'll vary it up and I was like oh there's a new soup today a new recipe and I'll like add another ingredient on there and she just gets so tired of it um but I'll I'll eat that um and I'll eat whatever my wife makes as well all right for you I'm muted yes um <laughs> that's funny you know <laughs> yeah because uh my husband he likes to he has his repertoire of foods and he has a bit of a sweet tooth so we have to monitor that I'm um, trying not to nag, but in case Louise. Um, I know I'm a sweet tooth too. So sometimes uh, I'll eat some like plant-based ice cream or chocolate and stuff. Oh yeah. The the my favorite is, oh, I'm I uh, bought you some ice cream too. You want some? I'm like, I don't even particularly care for ice cream. So I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's I know not nice cream um with the bananas are the healthiest, but yeah. I'm too lazy to make it sometimes. So I'll just grab the ice cream from the store. I know I bought in my my husband that one of those machines, the Yo Yonanas. It's yeah. I think it's been used like five times. <laughs> I know mine's in the closet. 
<laughs> exactly. It came with us to California. So I'm determined to encourage the healthier sweet eating, but that's funny. Um, so that is fabulous. So there's such an amazing approach um, that you offer for someone who really treats some really stubborn and tricky diseases. And, you know, that's, that's such, so encouraging to see someone, you know, young, like you and Melissa really pushing forward and also really adjusting how you deliver care, right? So you have a different type of practice than the traditional, you know, working in a hospital or working for a larger group. You, you went on in vegetarian, which is hard to do these days. So, um, I applaud you in your entrepreneurial <laughs> journey because I've been yeah. there myself, on there myself, so I totally get it. And uh, that's really exciting. So where can people find you and Melissa? And um, how do we go forward from there? So they want to reach out to you. Yeah, so I'm on social media. My handle is my MD. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And our, my personal website is myautoimmunemd.com, but my clinic is called Dr. Lifestyle, and the website is drlifestyle.org, drlifestyle.org, and it's in Newport Beach, California. I see patients in person, but I also see patients worldwide and virtually. I have 15 state licenses, um, so you can just reach out to me, and I can help you. I can send labs outside the U.S. too, um, and yeah, you can self-register on there. You don't have to call the office. You can make your own appointment. And then and like you can find me there. So I, I don't take insurance. Um, the only insurance I take is Medicare. Um, but that allows me to have the time to spend a whole hour with a patient on a new visit and half an hour on a follow-up. Right, exactly. And, you know, yeah, so there's there's good and bad about accepting and not accepting insurance just because sometimes that's a little harder for others um, to make it accessible. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. It gives you the freedom of luxury to spend more time with patients, more quality care. And it's, it's so key and important because it's hard to provide care in 15 minutes with someone who's very complex. Oh my God. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm. it's a Friday evening, so thank you for spending your evening with us. I, we have been working on this interview for, like you said, two years. I know. <laughs> I've been canceling. You've been canceling. <laughs> so. we, we are the worst. I know. It's like, uh, I was like, I don't know how many times. I'm like, Jonathan, I can't. I am going to be on a plane right now. Poor Micah. He's like, Mom. I was like, I'm sorry. Just please cancel it for me. <laughs> I felt so bad, but thank you for being patient. This is great. It's just something so important so many people are searching for and alternatives because they don't like the side effects of medications or at least like to decrease you know exacerbations if they have to stay on meds maybe it's a less of a dose um but I, I totally appreciate your your style and your fortitude and looking at all all avenues I have this real interest in Ayurvedic medicine so I might be deep diving into that I just find it so fascinating and there's because there's so much we don't know right there's just we know one way, but why does that mean it's a hundred percent all the way? Cause it's not soon. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me and thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show, Lori. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video before you go though, please hit the subscribe and alert buttons. So you don't miss out on any of the amazing content we're working so hard to provide you. We upload a new episode of Health & More with Dr. Lori Marbus every Friday. 
Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. If you're looking for amazing resources to help you start and sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, or anything wellness, we got you covered there too. Because at Mora, we actually provide physician-led support groups to help people live happier, healthier lives free of metabolic disease. Don't forget to check out our website at mora.com. And thanks again for watching.